Hi, this is Chris Baldwin, a.k.a. Fight Goddess with Skull Combat Sports Equipment, and you are listening to Eddie Goldman with No Holds Barred. everyone around the world. Once again, this is Eddie Goldman on No Holds Barred. This past week was a very busy one in international sports. A highlight was the 8th round TKO victory by Saul Canelo Alvarez over Billy Joe Saunders to capture his third major super middleweight belt. We also saw a defining moment for sports activism and in the international struggle to cancel the Tokyo Olympics amidst yet another wave of COVID-19 infections in Japan. An online petition entitled, Cancel the Tokyo Olympics to Protect Our Lives, has already received more than 300,000 signatures in just a few days. To discuss all this, we spoke with our colleague, Chris Baldwin, on the War Room on Angry Afro Radio. She is posting the videos of this discussion, and on this edition of No Holds Barred, we have the complete audio of it. But, before we get to that, a word from the sponsors of No Holds Barred. No Holds Barred is brought to you by LennyHart.com the home of Lenny Hart, the legendary MMA and sports announcer, voice actor, singer, actress, and comedian. Lenny is also known for her jazz vocals with her Lenny Hart Jazz Cabaret Band. For more information, to book her or to order a custom message from her, go to LennyHart.com. That's L-E-N-N-E-H-A-R-D-T dot and Skulls Fight Shop, home of the Skulls Double End Bag, the perfect punching bag for your combat sports training. Skulls Double End Bags provide a realistic striking target and help improve speed, distance, and timing skills. Hang it and hit it right out of the box. No pump required. Skulls Fight Shop, advancing combat sports equipment for the next generation of fighters. For more information, go to Skulls, that's S-K-U-L-L-Z, fightshop.com. And Adolfina Studios, original art prints and handcrafted fine jewelry. For more information, go to Etsy.com, that's E-T-S-Y.com, slash shop, slash Adolfina Studios, that's A-D-O-L-P-H-I-N-A Studios. Also, please subscribe to the No Holds Barred page on Patreon for much more No Holds Barred content, that's at Patreon.com, slash Eddie Goldman. Hello everyone around the world, welcome back. This is Eddie Goldman, No Holds Barred. 
Welcome back, my beautiful people. We are back in the war room today with award-winning journalist Eddie Goldman from No Holds Barred, and we're discussing the Canelo Saunders fight from last night. What's up, Eddie? How you doing? Hello, everybody. How's everybody doing today? And uh, we saw quite a fight, a lot of discussion and a lot of controversy with uh, Saul Canelo Alvarez getting the big win, a TKO stoppage at the end of round eight against the previously unbeaten but underdog Billy Joe Saunders. And uh, we're getting the news today on Sunday, the, the 9th of May, that Saunders is undergoing surgery for mm-hmm. a broken, yeah, multiple breaks in his orbital bone. And he got that face cracked by Canelo. Yeah, yeah. And I looked up using uh, one of my favorite doctors, Dr. Google, and I found out a website called allaboutvision.com talking about the Uh-oh. orbital bone and this is this is really important to understand because there are some people just coming up with this ridiculous stuff oh he quit he's a quitter look the orbital bone holds the eye in place so that you could see and move your eyes and all of that there were uh, several fractures and according to the news reports it was called a blowout fracture to the orbital bone. And according to this website, this affects the orbit's inner wall and it can impact the muscles that support the movement of the eye, which can make it difficult to move your eye properly. This is really, the, the, I think, the worst kind of orbital fracture because multiple bones were were broken by Canelo, and you could lose the eye. You could lose your vision in the eye. So when he went back to the corner, and it wasn't that clear to the announcers what happened. There was swelling under the eye. He went back to the corner, and he told his trainer, Mark Tibbs, I can't see. Those are the magic words in boxing. You say, I can't see, the fight is over. Okay. Now, I don't remember whether they had a doctor coming to the corner to look at him and check check him. Because, you know, this is Texas and you had many of the 73,000 people in the arena without masks. And they all think they're invincible from everything or just don't. That's a COVID super spreader event right there yeah exactly so i don't and the texas commission is like a lot of the other regulation in texas so i don't remember whether they had a doctor there but a doctor yeah i think there was a doctor in the corner examining the eye especially after the the um the trainer called the fight threw in the towel yeah, well, he, the doctor should have been there straight away because anybody that knows the first, anything about boxing saw that Saunders was getting beaten up, saw the, the swelling under the eye, and they should be looking at they should be looking at the fighters between rounds anyway, even if there wasn't any real damage. This is a fight, and and you're having a guy like Canelo. Most people have him as a top pound for pound fighter, a very strong, powerful puncher. And 
the doctor should be the first one, and that you have to ask the fighter, can you see? If he said, I can't see, the fight is over. And it was obviously a legal punch. It's a TKO. TKO victory for Canelo. But th- that didn't happen. And so the trainer said, that's it. Because if it if the, he had gone out for another round, and maybe Saunders wanted to, because you know the mentality of fighters is different from from right, most going of out us. on your shield. Yeah. Yeah, he would have gone out on a shield and he might have been carried out on a shield and he could have lost an eye. For what? He wasn't gonna win that fight. He certainly wasn't gonna get a knockout against Canelo. People are debating the scorecards. He was behind Wait a minute, Eddie, you don't you don't think he could have won uh, on points? In Texas, he you would don't have, think he could have yeah. beat Canelo on points like the way he boxed in round seven and eight. You don't think he, if he had sustained that, well, you know, I don't think in Texas. There I was think any, he could have, I think he had a good chance. It was a competitive fight. Well, the judges' scorecard—it was a competitive fight, and people's scores were all over the place. You know, I wasn't there up close watching, but I had it four rounds apiece after eight. Some people, I think the majority of the people had maybe Canelo up by one round. I gave the first round to to Saunders. A lot of people gave it to Canelo, which was one of those feeling out rounds, but in a close fight that... that, uh, Yeah, it took Canelo like a minute and 15 seconds to throw his first punch. Yeah, yeah. So it certainly wasn't, he didn't hurt him or anything, but you have to, if you want to score it uh, on a 10-point mud system, after three minutes, who did who was a little more aggressive, who won. But the point is, regardless of how you scored it, there was no way in Texas Saunders was going to win a decision unless he scored multiple knockdowns of Canelo and was never hurt, which is not the fight that we saw. And I don't think there was any way he was going to score knockdowns on him. But the fight was over after the, you know, towards the end of the eighth round. And this concept of you go out on your shield, what what is this? You know, if you're fighting Nazis or the Klan or something like that, you may have to pull it's out... It's a warrior mentality. Yeah, that's war. This is boxing. This is a business right. and a sport. It's a business. And the guy's he's, he's 31 years old. He was previously undefeated. He had a style that got him close to the top the super middleweight division. And will he be able to box again? We don't know because probably as we're talking. I think he, he's going to retire. I think Canelo just retired him. He might He might retire him. But even if he retires him, he might be involved as a trainer or something. He's, he's, a, he's a fighting guy. He's a boxing guy. So you want to be able to do it in the best shape that you can be. But this whole thing of going out on your shield... Is 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 barbaric and archaic, and I don't I don't see why people even still bring this up. That's why the fights are regulated, because if you just leave it up to the fighters and the athletes, they a lot of times with the adrenaline going and the lights and everything, they're gonna continue. And I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm all right. I mean, I remember, I won't go into too many details, but I, there have been times that I've been 
very ill and somebody would come to help me and I'm okay I'm okay you know that's just the way a lot of people react I I know the last time that happened I wasn't okay but my reaction is I'm okay I'm all right so so with with professional fighters it's even you know that sentiment is even even stronger and so this thing of Billy Joe being a quitter uh, he took a fight he was an underdog in he took a fight that we knew that Canelo was the the harder puncher more of a knockout artist he did it in Canelo's backyard he did it with even though the ring was bigger to let Saunders run around more and be elusive, which he was to a certain degree. The punches, he landed a lot of jabs, but the punches he was landing, most of them really didn't do much damage at all to Canelo. And Canelo was certainly landing the harder shots. So, now, now speaking of, what should of the corner the have done? Let him go out for the ninth round and lose an eye and get knocked out cold? And be carried out of the ring? Well, no. You know, well, speaking of refs stopping the fight or fights being stopped, did you watch the Soto-Takayama fight? I I heard about it. I just saw the very end of that fight. That was, to me, I didn't see the whole fight, but just seeing the end of it, that looked like a very different type of stoppage. (laughs) Yeah, he stopped the fight too early, I thought, because the guy, they should have gave it to, you know, let him go at least to the end of the round. Yeah, but anyway, that was a good fight. And then the fight before that for the heavyweights, <laughs> that dude, I thought he I thought he took a dive. People have Andrew, said that it's possible, it's possible that he quit because he knew, you know, he was going to get hurt. And Aguilera's been around for a while, he's never been a top real top level fighter so we're going to see what what comes out of this too because I think as we get more of the gruesome medical details of what happened to Saunders it'll become a little more obvious why his corner uh, did did what they did and this is a huge victory for Canelo because well again he was the favorite he just destroyed a guy that nobody had destroyed before. Saunders had been in some close fights, some controversial or semi-controversial decisions, but nobody had heard him before. And Canelo is is like a, a wrecking machine. He sure is. I just love the way he's developed. You know, from a coaching perspective, to see, I remember, you know, the very first day I saw uh, Pretty Boy what is his name? Uh, bring him out. Uh, what what this is the day May- of fighters name? Mayweather? You told me? No, Oscar De La Hoya. When oh, Oscar okay. De La Hoya brought him out it was like he was like seventeen or eighteen years old. He yeah. was amazing. I mean just to, to see him develop since that age. He was very crude as a young guy. Yeah. He didn't have a the huge loss, amateur I, background. I think that loss, right, his his development over the years is incredible to watch and the that loss I think to Mayweather was the best thing that ever happened to him. Could and be. He, I mean it, it means he's he's not going to challenge for 
Mayweather's record, but I think all that stuff is overrated because as a very young fighter, he took on the best in the business, and that that's right. what Canelo has done. He's he's fought. Oh yeah, tough guys. He's one of my favorite fighters. He's right. He's fought tough guys all over. So after a fight like this, and now he has three of these belts, he doesn't say, you know, well, I'm going to fight my, you know, Joe Schmo, my mandatory, whatever. He says no. He says he wants to go to unify all the all the four major right. belts and go after Caleb Plant, who I think he'd be a big favorite against. Uh, Caleb Plant has the IBF title. And then we get into boxing's idiotic politics because Caleb Plant, while Caleb Plant and also Jamal Charlo went on, you know, social media and said, yeah, they'll fight him and all this. They're both fighters with Al Heyman's PBC. So you could go on social media and say anything. And you could really want that fight. Is your management going to allow you and sign that? Knowing that they're not going to be the favorites, Canelo's going to Canelo's going to be the favorite against almost anybody that he fights. You know, unless he would fight some of the one, number one or two guys at light heavyweight or cruiserweight. Well, who or, do you think could beat Canelo right now? At which? At what weight? At any weight. If he went up to, if he went up to light heavyweight he might he might have trouble with guys like better bev but uh, but that, i don't see any point for him going up that high he's really a middleweight I don't see him going that high. he's he can't he's more like a junior middleweight or middleweight it would be I mean, ridiculous yeah. for him to keep at this point keep going up he's gone up he's gone up to super middleweight after doing so well at middleweight so so the big money fight for Caleb Plant is with Canelo. Same thing with Jamal Charlo. He's been fighting on these these pay-per-views that PBC puts on that get very, very uh, low buy rates. And there's not a lot of buzz about him outside of the hardcore boxing community. This would be a mega fight. But would they be willing to do it, would Al Heyman be willing to do it? And if it means that Canelo, for the right money, Al Heyman would be willing to do it. They weren't willing to. Do, they weren't willing to do uh, Wilder versus Joshua because they they have their own business model, and I think the PBC has to be in trouble because they're putting on these really low-rated shows and and pay-per-views through Fox, and I can't see. As dumb as some of these suits are, who really don't understand boxing, they understand numbers and ratings and things like that. And they must really be pissed at PBC for putting on such really bad one-sided matchups. Horrible. Yeah, right. and the ratings are just low. Every almost every Saturday night that they have a PBC show on Fox. It comes in last in the networks. And these websites say, oh, it peaked at so-and-so. That's not, that doesn't matter what it peaked at for 15 minutes. They sell the advertising time based on 
day part on the whole show and sometimes before and after, depending on how long the show is. So if for the last two rounds of a fight they get, it peaked, it doesn't necessarily mean anything for the advertisers because they're not buying something just for the last round. And, of course, you can't predict when is it when it's going to be the peak part of the fight. It's going to go 12 rounds. It's going to be in the middle of the fight. There's no way to to really predict that. So it's terribly underperforming. And will they will they make an offer to Canelo that he can refuse and say, well, you have to fight on Fox or Showtime pay-per-view? And he doesn't, his contract with the zone is, is not, he doesn't have that long-term contract. He sued to get out of it. So, but does, does the zone have matching rights? So what if the zone matches what he's offered to fight a PBC fighter? And then they go to Heyman and either plant or Charlo and say, well, Will you fight on the zone? They're not. They're probably not going to want to do it. They're going to want to protect their fighters. At least Heyman is going to. So I don't know if that fight can be made. I certainly hope those fights are made, because also Canelo has another alternative, which doesn't involve the the politics going outside of these quasi leagues. Is is a third fight with Golovkin putting that on the zone, and that would be a huge marquee fight because of the controversies of the first two fights, which were, were very close, right. and different people have I'd different opinions. Yeah, I thought Golovkin right. won, edged out the first fight. I thought Canelo, by a razor-thin margin, edged out the second fight, but not everybody Me thought too. that. Yeah. So what would happen? But Golovkin's 39 years old now. So he has, there were all these different, options for Canelo and I think I really don't know how many people watch this fight with Saunders in the United States on the zone not counting the pirate streams because the zone may have picked up some subscriptions but they have one of the most ridiculous uh, pricing structures of any streaming service it's a hundred dollars for the year or twenty dollars per month, which is crazy. Which puts it at at the highest monthly fee. That's supposed to stop people from just getting just getting it for a month to see like a big fight like this, and incentivizing them to stay on for the whole year, which is crazy because it puts it it puts it out of reach for a lot of people, and we're still in a recession. A lot of people are still out of work or underemployed and pandemic is still going on. And they jacked up the prices in the middle of it. And then they said, well, the whole emphasis of the zone has shifted from the United States because they thought they were going to be a bidder for NFL and MLB and all that. And they're getting shut out of that. So now they're focusing on Europe and Asia where they're able to go after the the national and regional football teams that are the most popular, and they're starting to make headway in that. The, in, the in market. Oh yeah, I can go out there and watch all the soccer games. I can watch darts. <laughs> yeah, watch but, dart but but they're getting it in their own countries where it's popular. 
they're going to go after right. the the Premier League in the UK. They got uh, Serie A, the top league in uh, Italy. They've gotten other top sports in Japan. That's where they're picking up a lot of of their subscriptions for the in market. I mean, they'll show stuff like MLB and even UFC in Europe and all that out of out of the the main markets. But in the U.S., people people want to watch the the U.S. sports, and they're not getting those other than other than boxing. So they, right. they, I don't think they really care too much about the U.S. So I don't know how many people really watch this. But now they say in 200 countries. I don't know how many people around the world watched it and what the pricing structure was. They were starting it in many countries at a really low price, like two British pounds a month, which is about, what, two dollars and a half something like that right so a lot of people could afford that i think that they there are a lot of problems with the zone they got rid of john skipper as the chairman they brought in this kevin mayer guy a longtime tv exec the guy that was instrumental in setting up disney plus so i i don't know that the zone is going to want to give up on having Canelo so easily. So that all depends on all the contracts. It's going to be all the business shit. Whereas, you know, for boxing, we well, want to Canelo see the Canelo is out there doing all kinds of sponsorships and his promo com- promo companies making deals with like cryptos and he's doing <laughs> NFTs, which I saw last night was like he jumped all in. He's <laughs> he's 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 trying to rake in all the dollars, all the sponsorship dollars. So it's a beautiful thing. Right, so he has a lot. He has a lot of options. We'll see where they go with it. The other thing that people were teased and, of course, didn't get was an announcement on uh, Joshua and Fury, Eddie Hearn in the ring. So, with a smile, it's going to come next week. He's been saying that for six months. He's been saying that since December. Really, that fight's not happening. I don't know. I think it. I think there's a decent chance it could happen because after a lot of the crap from the week before, when Aram had his tantrum and said the fight's dead in the the water, even Frank Warren, the the other co-promoter of Fury, said we got the contracts. We're reading them, and this past week was very quiet, which meant that if the fight was not being negotiated in the media. When a fight's negotiated in the media, that means it's in big trouble. So they were more quiet about it, and we'll see if they they get something done, what date it's going to be, and there's going to be definitely some blowback if they put it as been reported in the front-runner location is Saudi Arabia. They're going to get some opposite. They're going to get some opposition from that. I had written about Saudi Arabia is really a war zone. There have been terrorist attacks. Uh, there's still Saudi Arabia still involved in the the war in Yemen. And even though apparently some non face to face negotiations have going on between Saudi Arabia and Iran, it's still very dangerous. And the State Department is advising Americans 
to be very careful or not to go there. Same thing with the UK uh, travel restrictions. So we'll see what happens with that fight. Well, let's move on to the inner, what's going on with the IOC, the Olympics in Tokyo. I know there's a movement, a very strong movement to cancel the Olympics in Tokyo because of the COVID uh, rates and the elevating COVID rates there. So what's going on there? This past week was very decisive in this whole movement, this international movement, to have the Tokyo Olympics canceled, and it was really a defining moment, in my opinion, for sports activism. The whole week, one story after another just showed how terrible this is, trying to put this on in a pandemic where it's it's the situation with coronavirus is worsening. The, the latest figures we have for Sunday... May the 9th, the coronavirus infections topped 6,000 for the third straight day. The number of patients with severe symptoms rose to a record, 1,144, which the previous record was just set on Friday. The state of emergency in Tokyo and other areas nearby and also in western Japan has been extended at least till uh, May 31st. It's, there's a, it's now a fourth wave of infections, record number of infections in 15 of the 47 prefectures, which is sort of like, roughly like provinces in Japan, including Tokyo and the neighboring the neighboring prefectures. And remember, a lot of the Olympic athletes were going to be staying all over in various different cities in Japan. And a lot of them have said, we can't do this anymore. And also, you're seeing now a much higher percentage of seriously ill patients, not people that just get a little sick for a couple of days or asymptomatic. That's because you have the situation with all these different variants of the virus that are coming. And at the same time, Japan is way behind in terms of the developed countries in vaccinating its population, which is something, as we speak, maybe around 2% of the population because they took their sweet time in improving vaccines such as uh, Pfizer-BioNTech, which were approved for emergency use months ago in the West, along with Moderna and some of the others, they had to do their own individual process. So that created a, a situation where a lot of the hospitals are overcrowded. There's a shortage of doctors. There's starting to be a shortage of beds. There's a shortage of nurses going on. And you're now starting to see doctors and medical people in Japan coming out saying that this is absolutely crazy. And it's it's a country noted, if you know Japan, a lot of times people will, when they have strong opinions, they'll issue them in a sort of understated way. Well, you had uh, Dr. Kentaro Iwata, 
with an infectious disease expert was quoted in the media as saying, most health workers say even thinking about the Olympics is just ridiculous. We are really fighting a life and death situation. He talked about how you can't get a bed at some hospitals because of so many COVID infections. And he was quoted as saying, how the hell can you speak of a sports event gathering so many spectators, staff, volunteers, nurses, and doctors? Who could enjoy the games in this situation? So, what was the IOC's response? They put out another one of their playbooks for the athletes, and they said, oh, bring your own mask. They're not even going to supply masks to the athletes. They're going to put them two in a room during the pandemic. Then, to make even worse, they said, oh, well, we're going to try and get all the athletes vaccinated in their countries and send countries that don't have them. In the United States, they, all adults, I think, pretty much are eligible for vaccines. But in many countries, particularly you have the, you have the terrible situation in India, there's a shortage of vaccines, a real shortage in Africa, and many other countries are behind. They're going to send vaccines for the athletes and have the athletes, the, the relatively young, fit, elite, Olympic athletes jump the line and go ahead of the elderly, of the ill, to get the vaccines. This is what the IOC is doing. Then they said, oh, we need to get 500 nurses to volunteer to to work the Olympics for free. And people say, are you out of your mind? There's already a shortage of nurses because of this crisis that is still going on. So this is the whole view of the IOC. Now we're waiting to see uh, bossman Thomas Bach, the uh, El Presidente of the uh, IOC and the high exalted ruler, is supposed to come to Japan for this crazy torch relay, which they've already canceled some stops and already people have gotten the coronavirus from it. Now there's a story he might not visit Japan. And he was pretty much told, again, when you look at how things are said in understated ways, by Seiko Hashimoto, the head of the the Tokyo Olympics Committee, that Bach, who's in his late 60s, it would be very difficult for him to visit which is culturally, in a way, saying you've got to be out of your goddamn mind if you think we're going to let right. you win and we, you should come here. It was in such a super diplomatic way. And then on top of it, the, the key really is the petition. The cancel the Tokyo Olympics to protect our lives petition started off trying to get I think like 100,000 people to sign and that ran right through it it went up to 200,000 and right now as we speak it's over 310,000 people have signed 
this petition is both in Japanese and English. And is hosting the Olympics worth risking our lives? And it lays out the reasons for that. It's on change.org. They've reported that this is, I think, the fastest and, and most signed petition on change.org, which a lot of petitions are on, to come out of Japan. Right. And this was initiated by a well-known Japanese politician, Kenzo Utsunomiya, who was uh, run a couple of times for office in opposition to the uh, ruling Liberal Democratic Party. But it's gone way beyond. This is not just an opposition politician making trouble for the people in office. They've gotten huge support all over the place. And people could go look up and find that find that uh, petition and I encourage people I'm to sign, sign the petition. I have a link to I it. Cancel the Tokyo Olympics to protect our lives. You're starting to see more articles all over the place where there was an article. Sally Jenkins, well-known uh, sports writer for the Washington Post, had a story saying essentially under the title Japan should cut its losses and tell the IOC to take its Olympic pillage somewhere else. And she just goes off on these people. She calls, uh, I mean, I call Bach Thomas the Fence because he was a fencer, but also he's trying to sell these, uh, you know, these questionable goods. She calls him Von Ripperoff, like, (laughs) you know, in terms of Bach. She goes now, off. You so when do, look at that. Let me ask you this. When do they, uh, is there like a final date that they have to say, look, this is, or is there a cutoff date pretty much that says this is when we cancel the Olympics or not? I don't know because they. we're going to see whether they try and push through against all this mounting opposition. It's possible they might try and do that. But it's two and a half months. I think the way it gets canceled is when you start to see athletes and teams and Olympic committees start saying, hell no, we won't go. That's when it starts right. to get canceled. Because you have, again, two something like 200 countries part of the Olympics. And, again, how many of these countries have large numbers of people who are vaccinated? Even we, we've talked about how the Canelo fight in AT&T Stadium with 73,000 people, many without masks, could be a super spreader event. Well, the vaccine's relatively easily available now to adults in almost all places in the United States. That's not the case. Even in Canada it's more difficult to get than than in the United States. So, and it's raging in Brazil. It, it, it's a horrible crisis. If you look at the news out of India, the hospitals are overrun there. Thousands of people getting ill, all these people dying. It's just totally out of control in India, run by the right-wing authoritarian Modi. 
just sort of a you know India's version more or less of a Donald Trump and Brazil's version of the Donald Trump Bolsonaro also let the whole thing go out of control as well and saying it wasn't real you don't have to worry about it we wouldn't wear masks although now that it looks like he might face stiff opposition in the election now he's showing up with a mask well we know countries like India and Brazil are large populations and have a lot of elite athletes that go to the Olympics. And there have been a lot of events canceled and postponed in India. And the IOC made a decision last year when they postponed it. Box said, we have no plan B. I don't know whether that's true or not. It has to do apparently with something, some real estate issue about what's going to happen to the Olympic Village after the Olympics, you know, would real estate sharks want to, what their plans are for it, but if there is no plan B, that means they're up against a really difficult place, because it's getting really too late to postpone it. So, the whole thing could, the question is, is it going to be, is it going to collapse because the support is collapsing. And in Japan, the, the every survey has shown between 70 and 80% of the Japanese population want the Olympics either postponed or canceled. And they've said, well, we can't postpone them anymore. If that's the case, the, this is going to, it's just getting very very ugly and oh the other thing is they also they also had this ridiculously biased survey they did the uh, the athletes commission of the IOC did where it said the majority of the athletes said they're against athletes uh, protesting at the Olympics or raising any issues and they'll punish them in other words if another Tommy Smith and John Carlos right. or anybody and they specifically said you can't wear Black Lives Matter uh, shirts or anything in the Olympic field of play. And this got this got big headlines. This survey they did, they went around was totally unscientific. They sent out emails. They said it was secure, but they sent out emails. And the vast majority of athletes from Russia and China said, no, athletes shouldn't be allowed to to protest. Do you think in those countries, those athletes have any confidence (laughs) that those emails can't be seen by the authorities in countries that are the, 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 the gold medalists for hacking into, you know, into emails. I mean, we know the history that's that's right there. So the survey doesn't. That methodology is utterly meaningless. And in countries where you you can speak out more, we have more democratic rights. The the vote was was different. But they totaled them up all together, and they said, "Look, look what we got." And it's. This, even though the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee said they're not going to punish athletes, it's not clear if if athletes show up, say, just to use the Black Lives Matter uh, slogan as an example, with shirts or hats or something that say Black Lives Matter, 
who would punish them? Would it be the IOC or the National Olympic Committees or the Tokyo Olympic Committee? All this is very vague. And I think he's also going to start, there's going to be pressure on some of the athlete advocacy organizations which have been focused a lot on the right to protest, they're going to have to take a position. Should the Olympics be canceled or not? And uh, we haven't seen them say that because, frankly, even with everything we've said, you're not going to, a lot of athletes are going to, again, it's that mentality, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to go ahead no matter what. This is my only shot probably at, getting a medal or participating in the Olympics. We know that. But we know that what the IOC has done means that whether the Olympics go on on the date scheduled starting July 23rd or whether they're canceled it's even or even if they're postponed again, it's devastating for the athletes and the athletes get screwed because their athletic careers when they're at their peak is a relatively short time. We know how difficult it is to become an Olympic athlete. One, Just one example that I know about, uh, someone I've spoken to and have had on No Holds Barred, uh, Kara O'Donovan was an Olympic hopeful in karate. And she got to the point where she was going through the qualifiers in 2020, and then, then it was postponed. So, okay, so they had to redo qualifiers to uh, when the date was moved to 2021. And she's, she's you know, in her mid-30s already. She had been a world kickboxing champion, amateur kickboxing champion many years ago. She's been doing this a long time. And it, travel became more difficult. Training became more difficult. And so they were holding another Olympic qualifier. And she said, that's it. My body can't do this anymore. If it were, there were no pandemic and were held in 2020, she would have been able to go to the qualifier. And a lot of people felt she would have qualified and done very well at the Olympics. Because karate is a, just on the program this year in Tokyo. But for 2021, she couldn't do it. And that's just one year difference. So this is going to be really her only opportunity in our athletic career to go to the Olympics. And a lot of athletes are like that. But not all of them are going to say, I can't, I'm not going to go. So somebody has to make the decision for them. Just like Billy Joe Saunders didn't say, I'm quitting, I'm done. It had to be his trainer to pull the fight. There's the well, I, I automatically thought he quit on the stool, but you know, then once I saw that his eye was swollen shut, then I was like, "Oh, okay." But I thought that's what he got for talking all that shit about Canelo. Right, but my point is that it's going to be very difficult for athletes to say we're not going to go because of all these dangers that we've discussed. Right. The opposition in in Japan, the health dangers. So somebody has to, just like somebody had to say to Billy Joe Saunders, the fight's over. He probably would have gone out if they would have let him. 
Somebody has to say to the athletes, this is over. And what the lesson, there's a, a longer term lesson in this that I've been saying for a while. If you're an athlete and you're looking at whether it's combat sports or other sports, this Olympic movement is completely screwed up and corrupt. Don't get caught in it because it's going to screw you over in ways that even professional sports won't won't screw you over in the same way. And I think it's particularly true of, of combat sports, which is just so absolutely corrupt. But on the other hand, with this petition, with all the things that I've mentioned, with the popular movement in Japan against this, with all the the people writing articles and speaking out on this, that I've been covering sports for a long time. And because of my focus on combat sports, the Olympics has been very important to cover. Because for wrestling, there's no and of any size, real professional wrestling, the Olympics are it. The Olympics are the pinnacle. In boxing, it's different because you have professional boxing. They're the pinnacle of amateur boxing. So they're important in that, in that sense. And I've been looking at this for a long time, and I have never seen a movement against the corruption and exploitation of the IOC, of the whole Olympic movement, as strong and organized and as international as the current one behind this cancel the Tokyo Olympics, this stop Tokyo Olympics movement is. This is the strongest. There have been a lot of movements dealing with the Olympics and how the IOC screws over cities and exploits them and puts them in debt and the militarization that takes place and the loss of people's livelihood and rights, but they've never been as strong as this. So this is a a real watershed moment for this whole movement against the IOC that now the people who are doing this uh, petition, they have a couple of hashtags, and one of them is Stop Tokyo Olympics, but they've, I've also seen the hashtag abolish the IOC and abolish the Olympics. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Abolish and the Olympics. So now those movements which were sort of on the sidelines have now starting to become more mainstream. And this is a real crisis for the IOC. So we're going to see where this, where this goes. But for those people, again who are looking at, particularly people that are looking at developing sports, to stay out of this damn thing, create something out of it. Because every one of these upcoming Olympics, there's some horrible catastrophe and crisis and corruption associated. Okay, you got this summer the Tokyo Olympics are scheduled. We discussed that. Next winter, you got the 2022 Winter Olympics in Beijing. There are already movements against that because of China's horrible genocidal internment of the Ouija population in Xinjiang province in northwest China. You have the World Cup taking place, the FIFA World Cup 
in Qatar, where thousands of workers have died in the construction and are horribly exploited under these feudal conditions and complete lack of rights that exist there. And you have the World Games, which are in Birmingham, Alabama, next July 2022. And it's now come up that Alabama is one of these states that's passing all this horrible, ridiculous, discriminatory, anti-trans legislation. Yeah, and so a lot of the North American sports leagues have taken these states to task. I mean, the big example a few years ago in uh, North Carolina, where they will pass the so-called bathroom bills, and the NBA was supposed to run its All-Star game in Charlotte. They pulled it out. And eventually, North Carolina had to ditch that law, and then they finally got the NBA All-Star game. And you had, well, right. it's not the same issue. This year in 2021, the Major League Baseball All-Star game was scheduled for Atlanta. They schedule these things several years in advance, and they rotate them. But then when you had the, the, the Jim Crow voter suppression law put in by the Georgia politicians, MLB which is not exactly a radical organization. They said, uh-uh, right. we're moving it, and it's now going to be this year in in Denver. So there's going to be a home run derby in, in Coors Field is going to be a sight right. to, to watch. And and then next year it's supposed to be in, in L.A., I believe. So every one of these, and I'm probably leaving some things out, so you have the... 2021 Summer Olympics, 2022 uh, Winter Olympics, the World Cup, and the World Games, and there are other events too, are all tainted by this horrible corruption in all these different countries around the world. This is what this movement is totally in crisis, and people are more and more opposed to it. So my recommendation is you're going to build something else. You're going to develop something else. Do it outside of the Olympic movement. Because that's not even to discuss right. the corruption inside the movement, the the fixed officiating that we've seen in sports like boxing and wrestling and, and, in, and in many other sports too. So the hell with this stuff. But I'm encouraged by this movement that's that's really growing and we'll see how many people sign this petition. I mean, I think like yesterday they were at 200,000. 200, now they're at 300,000. So they raised it. Well, we they, need to go for a million. They wanted to go to, to 200. They passed that. Then they pushed it up to 300. Now they go on the petition. Let's get to 500,000. Right. That's where they need to go. Yes. So go sign that petition, everybody. Change dot org and that's the stop the Tokyo Olympics to save human lives. Exactly. So Ed, that's about all the time we have today, brother. It's been real. Now I want you to tell everybody, tell the people where they can find you. Well I'm in New York, but I ain't going too far <laughs> these days. Online, it's easy to find me online. The best place is Twitter at NHB News and you could use the NHB News to find me if you're 
still stuck on Facebook or Instagram too, but I'm using Twitter much more actively. I have a Patreon page. I really want to encourage people. You're going to get analysis that you do not get on this, these right. compromised commercial media. So you go to patreon.com slash Eddie Goldman because instead of taking advertising or working for one of these sites that's controlled by a promoter or network, I'm asking people directly to contribute. It's not very much at all. You're going to find stories, analysis, and, and some audio too. It's well-researched. And it will give you a perspective that you're not going to find in in too many other places. Uh, and those are really the main things where I'm at. We're here at the War Room also. And also, now, we've been discussing Twitter Spaces. Twitter Spaces has finally opened up to people to use. And you, but at this point, you could only use it from an Android or iOS device. They don't have a desktop uh, app for this at this point, and you can't at the record, although I put it this way, I don't know how to record. You can't natively record from the uh, spaces from the Twitter app, which is supposedly working on. So all this stuff is brand new. I mean, this is news within the, the last week, which is why I put that, that purple circle on my uh, a Twitter name and when we can start recording and there's a desktop app I was discussing this with some techies I'll put the purple circle before my name but that's why that right. purple circle is there to indicate indicate that so I might experiment with that and just go on and play around with it to get used to it so when things are improved so maybe we can talk a little on there but I, that, that is on Twitter Spaces. You set up what's called a room, and you can you can invite other speakers, and you can encourage other people to listen in, and you can allow them to talk if you want. And you have to experiment, of course. It's best if you know the people because you want to you want to keep out trolls and you know lunatics and people like right. that. But you also might want to put on people that you don't really know. So all the, this is developing as we speak. Supposedly Clubhouse is developing an Android app, but we've been hearing this just like we've been hearing the Fury Joshua fight is, is <laughs> right, imminent exactly. too. So maybe, the, maybe these things will happen sometime, but Twitter has jumped ahead on it, and they make it real easy so that you can, if anybody has over 600 uh, followers on Twitter, you can now set up Twitter spaces. Right. And then you can invite people that you're already contacts with in there. It's usually, I would recommend if, you know, contact them beforehand so you can coordinate it. Because I tried it the other night. I was on real late at night and I just sent out a tweet to some people. But I think other people were either asleep or doing doing something right. else. So I'm going to try to experiment to with that. Yeah, I'm going to try to experiment yeah. with that a little bit. But I don't think you can listen to it on the desktop version. And we're going to find out all these little these little tweaks. So follow me on right Twitter. Right on, Eddie. Right on. He's at NHB News on Twitter. 
Yeah. You guys can follow me on Clubhouse at Baldwin Rocks. I'm on uh, Twitter at Angry Afro Radio. And this has been the War Room, people. Stay tuned. Next week, we'll be back. Thank right, you. Lady, I'm out, keep, keep fighting. All right. No Holds Barred is brought to you by LennyHart.com, the home of Lenny Hart, the legendary MMA and sports announcer, voice actor, singer, actress, and comedian. Lenny is also known for her jazz vocals with her Lenny Hart Jazz Cabaret Band. For more information, to book her or to order a custom message from her, go to LennyHart.com. That's L-E-N-N-E-H-A-R-D-T dot com. And Skulls Fight Shop, home of the Skulls Double End Bag, the perfect punching bag for your combat sports training. Skulls Double End Bags provide a realistic striking target and help improve speed, distance, and timing skills. Hang it and hit it right out of the box. No pump required. Skulls Fight Shop. Advancing combat sports equipment for the next generation of fighters. For more information, go to Skulls, that's S-K-U-L-L-Z, fightshop.com. And Adolfina Studios, original art prints and handcrafted fine jewelry. For more information, go to Etsy.com, that's E-T-S-Y dot com, slash shop, slash Adolfina Studios, that's A-D-O-L-P-H-I-N-A Studios. Also, please subscribe to the No Holds Barred page on Patreon for much more No Holds Barred content, that's at Patreon.com, slash Eddie Goldman. Hello everyone around the world, welcome back. This is Eddie Goldman, No Holds Barred. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the show. Thanks for listening. If you want to follow my site, my blog, the easiest way is go to eddiegoldman.com. For No Holds Barred, this has been Eddie Goldman.